0: Before there was Bo, Brett, or even Barry, there was Pat. Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show with Jim Rutledge and former Wisconsin Athletic Director, Pat Richter.
1: In this off of this studio. I'm just going to say that to start the show. I don't know who did this. I think it was Marissa, our marketing director, or Tom, our director of sales. They bring in these, like... We have chairs here. They don't belong in an office setting. Um, and we're filling the studio. I can't stand them because they're super low. So I feel like a child sitting in them because... You, you're drop. I mean, you can see this one right here, Alex. It is dramatically lower than the chair next to it. It's lower than this chair currently. Uh, I, I feel like, a, yeah. What I just want to share, like I'm the only person who's doing shows in the studio regularly, and you're the only about doing shows. because like I have my one spot, and every time I come in here, week, like I was here yes, I was here yesterday. Yeah, but you're you, I'm me. No, I have a show every day, three to four. I feel like I can use this as my office from three to four, and people don't have to move my chair around and everything. Don't
2: talk to me. I'm not the one
1: doing it. I'm going to talk to Pat Richter instead. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Jim Rutledge with you live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. We're brought to you in part by Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. you only minutes away from a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. I've had a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. I have a new Silverado traded in that Colorado. So if you're in the market for a new or used Chevy truck or SUV, I recommend Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience. Pat, how... Uh, how was your uh, weekend outside of the, the Badgers' uh, tough performance against well, Penn State? I didn't have any
3: chair problems. Right. right. That but uh, very disappointing, I think. Uh, I think uh, looking back on the first half of the football game in total, both sides of the ball, it's one of the most uh, just hollow games. It was maybe one of the worst games I think I've seen both sides of the ball. It just seemed like nobody had been out there playing and. You know, I think you see some of these things which happens to both teams. The uh, the tackling, which is suspect because you're not hitting as much anymore. It's a lot of the things that uh, that affects both teams. But we just couldn't uh, tackle very well in a couple spots. Made a couple mistakes, obviously, in the defensive back, backfield. And, uh, you know, the the longer you keep a team like that in there, I think that the stronger they get. And they, they were the ones that really kind of capitalized on that. But I think that the the ability to hang in there and just, you know, and, and wait until we shoot ourselves in the foot by getting on the one yard line and then all of a sudden we're back at the seven, then you get a block field goal. And uh I I noticed in Mertz after a while, you know, there were a couple of shots from they like defensive from the defensive backfield into the quarterback's face and they had a kind of an angle which you could see him throwing the ball and it looked like he was starting to aim the ball a little bit, which, you know, kind of Pushing it forward rather than let it loose. It's almost like dart throwing. And uh, But it just didn't seem like he was on. And, of course, the, the handoffs, uh, maybe that had something to do with Malusi being new or whatever, but that was a little suspect, a couple of snaps in the center. And uh, just, it just didn't seem like he had that much time. And... I, uh, the thing that I kind of noticed, and I think it's just not much you can do about it, but it is what it is, is that the, the Wisconsin, when you look at the setup and the way the players are on the field, it just seemed on offense they were tighter. And then when you look at the uh, Penn State, they spread the heck out of the ball and moved really wide. Now obviously they've got some really top-notch uh, wide receivers, and maybe we're not you know, the luxury of that, but it just seemed like. They were able to compartmentalize and maybe make the defensive sets a little tighter just because of our formations. And I, we tried a couple of jet sweeps. They just were modestly uh, successful. And so it was just one of those games where you just you get that feeling, you know, it's just not going right. It's not going to end up well. And uh, and especially after the breakdown, the long pass, and uh, and then they just got kind of empowered, and they 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 played well. Give them credit for it.
1: They did, and I want to get uh, more into what Mertz' uh, performance. But I mean, Ches Malusi, he surprised me. I, I mean, I know he's Clemson transfer, but uh, I, I mean, thirty-one carries, one hundred twenty-one yards. I know in the end, the the average didn't quite look what you wanted for, but he really was all they had on offense. So the, you know, obviously, Penn State's got a good quality defense. Started keying in on him, but he scored the only touchdowns for the Badgers, and. Uh, for a guy who didn't run a lot in his college career, really showed some good uh, intuition running the football. I almost had one on a fourth and one. I think he picked up three or four yards, but was really close to just busting one open that would have maybe changed the complexion of the game. So I'm not sure what's going on in the backfield without you know some of our regular names back there uh, running the football. But uh, I was I was impressed with Malusi.
3: Yeah, Malusi certainly did, did well, and that's a little unusual to have that kind of a running attack. You get that many yards and not uh, maybe be able to get the the completions and the passing at the game uh, as they could have had. Because usually, when you get that kind of uh, yardage in the running attack, it makes your your play action pass game really work well and open it up. And it's just. You know, I, we've got some really nice receivers, but we just don't have any, too many of uh, the home run hitters. And, uh, and that's what we really need is some, you can stretch it out, to get a little bit bigger, get up and get the ball. And, uh, and they you know, threw a lot to Ferguson, but I think it was nine passes for 50 some yards. And so, you know, you just, uh, you just got to get dink and dunk. And they really wasn't much. They just kept everything in front of them. It's Brent, but don't break defense. And it worked out well. And uh, I really, uh, you know, I, I said, I said you, were, you were gone, of course, and I said, yeah. what, the score was, made? I said, 21-3 to three Badgers. Maybe the over-under might have worked out <laughs> well, but uh, the total score wasn't bad, but I just thought the defense would be much, much tighter and, uh, and make it very difficult on a, like, a little bit of an experienced uh, Penn State team. But uh, a couple of mistakes, and that really opens things up, especially in a low-scoring game.
1: And this is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. With the uh, the game here, the receivers did a good job. I, Danny Davis had nearly 100 yards, snagged a bullet from Mertz right there at the goal line. Uh, you thought that, or I thought that was going to lead to a touchdown. Kind of needed Danny to be a little bit taller and maybe just fall in next time because obviously you referenced it, the Badgers fumbled away that opportunity. But Jake Ferguson... Uh, not a lot of yardage, but I don't. That wasn't really his fault. I mean, he got the ball yeah. was in his area. He was catching it. You, you see that stuff on ESPN about catch radius. Uh, I mean, I was worried for Jake's health with one of those where he was literally caught that with his fingertips in traffic. I thought I was worried someone was going to clean his clock, but luckily he was able to get catch that ball and fall to the ground. But that was a a really errant throw in a key situation from Mertz, I believe, in the second half there. And, and Jake was able to pull it in and keep the driver alive. That's just one example.
3: Yeah, the uh, when you have that kind of a passing, you know, you have to catch a ball like that. It's really kind of exaggerated by the fact that it just didn't seem like he had a deep drop back, and he was throwing short. So if you get a shorter pass, obviously the distance between you and the ball and the quarterback is much shorter, and you have, it's almost if it's off target a little bit, you've got to be an acrobat to pull it down, and that's what happened. And uh, he, uh, he played a lot in the game, and he did, I think it seemed like he did a good job blocking Uh, because they said before what Rucci was supposed to be blocking back or blocking tight end. But, uh, you know, it just just seemed like everything was right over the middle. Everything was – we just didn't spread it out much. You know maybe that's just the way it was intended. That's the way we are. But it just seemed like we got spread out all over the field on defense, and we just didn't do the same thing against them. Maybe that's the talent. You know, the line – it uh, started out real rough. They, uh, Rudolph made some changes to jack things up a little bit. That worked, and then uh, the Lyles, I guess it was, had a motion penalty or offside, uh, false start penalty, and we just couldn't make it up. I mean, when you get down in that that category, down that territory, you got to pull it off, and you got to buckle up and, and block the block the guys in front of you and move it out of the way. And you got instead of one yard, you got seven. But uh, it just uh, there's something was just missing. I we didn't you know dominate. We didn't you know. I think sometimes we just get the ball and we just pounded down there. And we had a lot of young guys. And obviously the first group didn't start off well. And that's why he made the change. But then they were in there for a lot. Of uh, time afterwards, but it's one of those games where you win everything in the statistics and everything else, but just don't win the game because you made mistakes at the wrong time and didn't cash in on it, so to uh, to not get the uh, touchdowns when we uh, needed them, obviously that was the key in the whole game, but then you kept the quarterback starting to press and throw the ball in there, I think the last, one of the last uh, interceptions, the one to Ferguson, I think they suckered him into that, I mean, I think everybody in the stands knew that they were probably going to go that direction, and the uh, the DB just picked weight and picked it off and and uh, just kind of suckered him into making the throw. It wasn't, it wasn't advised. And so uh, hopefully you get back on track. It's going to be hard to tell with uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, they won the game, but, uh, you know, it's one of those games where you, you just can't let people stay in the game. You're a better team than that, and you can't let them you know, force you into certain things you don't want to do, and the longer they stay in, the better they are. The more the more strength they seem to get on their own side, and it makes it tough on you. And especially if you don't, you know, you're kind of challenged uh, scoring wise. And so uh, it was just uh, it was just not a not a good game to start with. I guess that's why we have the uh, your preseason games, as you say, the, the uh, you know MAC conference and other teams have get yourself on the board. And uh, that probably affected us, but it uh, affects the other teams just as well. And so. They are. They have some game game players, and their quarterback played just exceptionally well.
1: And Pat, I at least want to. We want to talk some more Badger stuff next segment here. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the defense. Uh, Jim Leonard seemed to have a good uh, defensive scheme here. There were a few big hits, and I don't know. If, I mean, they look like they they fall on on Nelson out there uh, defensively on Jack Nelson, but or not Jack Nelson. That's the um, Scott, alignment. Uh, yeah, but uh, on Nelson out there, that Scott. Scott yeah. yeah, that he. Um, had a lot of the tackles, but I don't know if those were necessarily his breakdowns and coverage there. But also Jack Sanborn did a great job defensively. He got a sack. Nick Herbig got a sack. Uh, I mean, the defense was swarming. He made a lot of big plays.
3: Yeah, they did. did. I think that uh, looking back on it, I didn't read the paper before the game, but I, some of the things that uh, with the Fayan Hicks said, you know, you can see that's bulletin board material. They, they, can, they mentioned it in the press conference, Penn State did that. He said, uh, "Well, the quarterback. Was, it, nothing really stands out. You, well, you can see that nothing really stands out. Maybe he's good at everything. So, he, it, but it was enough to uh, get him all stirred up. I think it was. And uh, you know, when you." When you get a, a good defensive back, and sometimes that's, this happens when you, uh, you have somebody that uh, maybe stands out, a defensive backfield, and you start to, all of a sudden they're kind of playing a game while anticipating what you're going to do and thinking ahead. And then when they make that play-action pay and, and making me say, okay, I've got to get up and make a stop, all you need is a couple steps like that. And boom! The guy's behind you, and he's gone. So it's, it's one of those not error of omission necessarily, is commission when you're trying to be aggressive and, and making the fill because uh, you know you're, you're, that's what you're supposed to do It'd make come up and make tackles, and you have to. If you make a good fake and things like that, it can be in trouble, and that's what happened in this play.
1: This is the Pat Richter Show, brought to you by Simden Chevy, JK K Security Solutions, and Oak Park Place. 100.5 ESPN, ESPN up and Wisconsin on the Man
0: for October continues tonight on ESPN Radio. Max Muncy and the Dodgers head to Bush Stadium to face Paul Goldschmidt and the Cardinals. Coverage begins at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
1: Eastern Michigan should be a good well game for the Wisconsin Badgers they also, uh, can get yourself well in your home, security, home entertainment purposes with JK Security Solutions. If you need to protect your home or business, there's only one call to make. That's the JK Security Solutions. and the JK, they work hard to protect the things that matter most in your life. For more information, call two five 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 seven nine nine 555 or visit jksecurity.com. Jim Rutledge in the Park Bank ESPN Madison studios with former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. Uh, Alex Stroff on the other side of the glass. Alex always can hop in here. He's so quiet during the Pat Richter show. but uh, I just
2: like to listen to the wisdom of Pat Richter. I mean, the guy knows so much, yeah. more than you and I combined. Yeah. I just like to sit back and listen.
3: We wore him out last week. <laughs> <laughs> it made me work harder than I ever have,
1: Pat. <laughs> uh, Pat, um, Jack Cohn had a pretty amazing game for Notre Dame, National TV, uh, juxtaposed with the struggles of the Badgers offense. Uh, with Graham Mertz. Not good PR, not saying that Paul cares about it or did anything wrong, but whew, that was... Um, you got Notre Dame fans thanking Badger fans and you got Penn State fans thanking Badger fans for their quarterback decision, which is wild considering how great Graham Mertz's debut was with the Badgers.
3: Yeah, it really was. It's just hard to figure out. I, I didn't see too much of the Notre Dame game. I watched a little bit, and, and the part that I saw wasn't anything spectacular. It just seemed like he was he always was kind of good on a little bit longer throws, and but the side and the flats and things like that were ones that were a little bit suspect, and I, that's the part that I saw. But he, I think he had a little bit more of an experience. I think that there's no question that they probably got a little more talent up front, and you uh, know I think he he probably he, he used that time off to well to good advantage. I think that uh, you know he's got something to prove, and I think that uh, a change of scenery sometimes is better. He may for everybody, and sometimes uh, if, he would have, if he would have stayed at Wisconsin, it might have been the same old, same old, and I think that he was kind of worn out just be, you know, I think people, that's probably a good example of, uh, of what the people are expecting nowadays. You know, they've been, uh, this whole g- this generation is used to winning football and not uh, slipping at all, and that was uh, a couple of uh, slips that Jack had. It was probably... Said, well, okay. And then uh, when you get banged up and can't get back, you kind of all of a sudden, I think everybody at the time felt that it was the right move. And so and this change of scenery, the change of getting more confident and uh, getting pumped up by Brian Kelly and uh, and Notre Dame, and there's a, it's a big machine. And when you get you know, you just you better just keep going at that level because if you don't, they'll be after you just as quick as uh, you they were to get on on your side and, and praise you. And so, uh, but you know, you have to give a guy a lot of credit. He just had a tough goal here at the end, and and uh, it was probably, it was the best move for him if he'd have stayed. He probably never had a chance. And the fact that he was selected by uh, Notre Dame, I think, indicated that he probably had been. Uh, recruited by them before, and they had a lot of experience. And, and I think that that's what they've kind of worked on. They just uh, they seem to, every year they've put in somebody else new and they, they surround them with experience and don't really talk about, well, our line is not uh, mature enough and whatever. It just seems like it revolves around the quarterback because they all seem to have the rest of the parts that uh, are ready to go. And that certainly is a real advantage with somebody coming in new to the program.
1: It it is, and obviously, you know, Florida State's not Florida State like it used to be. This isn't the converts, or not that was Miami, but this isn't the big Florida State. uh, (laughs) But the the Florida State Notre Dame rivalry was big at that time as as well with Charlie Ward uh, back in the day with uh, Florida State. That's not that team right now for Florida State, but still four touchdowns, seventy four percent completion percentage, and I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of uh, more uh, probably more talent at Notre Dame right now for Wisconsin than Wisconsin, maybe some of the skill positions, but also it seemed like uh, Notre Dame was able to set him up. Now, again, scoring points makes it a little easier. Penn state might be better than Florida state. They probably are, but there, I thought there were some, and I hate to like dig into the play calling cause it's hard to, to really know exactly what's going on in the game. But I, I thought the flow of the game seemed to kind of keep away from Paul. And, Look, there's going to be questions immediately since he took the the play calling back from Rudy. That Paul needs to you know put some points on the board. Then,
3: yeah, well, I think just like anything else, I mean, Paul's smart enough to understand what he's got in front of him, and and this, the plays you called before don't necessarily uh, figure they're going to be the right plays to call this time just because your talent is not different and things like that. You know, and I think that the. I think we really are a little bit hamstrung by the fact that you don't really have the guys to get the separation. I think it's one thing that Jack Cohen probably has Notre Dame, is you got guys that are big time players and receivers that are, if not, you know, touted right now to be uh, all all conference or all American or whatever, that are probably on the way to that. And it's just some of that's hype and some of that's uh, it's it's reality. But they uh, they have the, the, the horses, and I think once you have that. You know, it's nice to be able to say, "Okay, sit back there and say these guys are coming pretty hard. Let's keep a tight end to block and let them go on deep play." You could see a couple times at the early on that the the Penn State guys were just trying to throw the ball up and hoping that maybe you're going to get an interference call and uh, and early in the game to get something going. And and that's just you know part of the game. But you have to have the have the time to do that and. Uh, that was one of the things I wondered. Maybe you knew about it. But I, I I didn't think that they always spotted the ball at the at the interception point. Or excuse me. The interference call it was usually a, a yardage call, but maybe they adopted the NFL rule. I must have missed that. But uh, a couple times they spot fouled it, and so I think that the uh, Notre Dame is is just hard to figure out. We'll find out soon enough, and uh, whether or not the the timing works out, get a a good uh, victory under our belt this weekend, and uh, then it's some polish things up. We maybe that's gave them a short list this last week. Is maybe that's what we did in terms of the play calling, and maybe there was just a limited number, just because you didn't want to open up too much of the playbook. But uh, you know, that's here and there, or here and there, in terms of getting ready for Notre Dame. Now they're going to open up everything at that game. So I think we'll see a little bit better. I think we just need to find out what what the running back situation is with Berger, but certainly Malusi is, uh, was uh, a, a quick study in terms of uh, you know juking and jiving and speed and power, and uh, Garandos is the fastest guy in the squad. So yeah, I think there's a lot of soul-searching. You can read between the lines There's a lot of things that are in the paper. These guys realize that they laid an egg, and uh, there's a lot of expectations, especially in the line because they know that they, uh, they've got a lot to live up to in terms of the past and the legacy that's been laid before them. And so uh, I think that uh, probably uh, certainly humbled uh, uh, Graham Mertz a little bit. You know, you, you get all this stuff, and that's what kind of is, the, is the, the good good story, bad story stuff with that nil stuff is, you know, you say, well, maybe maybe he didn't pass on a little bit of that. Uh, that benefit to the linemen, whatever, in terms of the uh, the nil stuff. And so a lot of things can talk, and then one victory will uh, quiet it down a bit, but then we get right back into it. So what was thought to be kind of a, an easy schedule by some has turned out to be a pretty tough one.
1: And the nice thing for the Badgers' schedule here is that they, they have Eastern Michigan, but they can get right back on the national scene. They got this big game against Notre Dame, they can get redemption if kind of i mean the idea of graham trying to show that he uh you know deserves this job and this opportunity there'll be a big game for cohen there'll be a lot of hype there but the badgers have an opportunity to be right back in the picture here and all they really got to do is, is win the west and then worry about the rest
3: yeah that's the one thing that uh, there's not much mention made of it the fact that uh, you know you've lost outside the division but uh You know Iowa looks like to be the real deal, and uh, but you know the fact is, is if Notre Dame stays where they're at, said roughly number eight or whatever it is, close to it, ranked high, uh, you go in there and pick it off. Usually we don't have that opportunity because the the games that uh, in our division, if you lose one in that division, you really don't have anybody in that division to get yourself up, and if you don't have a schedule. You know, Michigan is not necessarily with their back like they keep saying they are, but still will be a tough game. But we don't we we don't thought without Ohio State, but we kind of looked past that with uh, Penn State and uh, and gotten a, a little bit of a trouble in that regard. But it, certainly you're right and get that because if you, go, you gotta get a good game against Notre Dame and win that game, and then get into uh, Michigan and start to play the solid football we're capable of playing Then at home, then I think you're back where you need to be. But you don't want to get you're looking too far. I mean, Eastern Michigan, it is what it is. But we've had difficulty with directional teams in the past. And, again, this is one of those situations you don't want to let them hang around very long because they give you all kinds of trouble.
1: This is the Pat Richter Show, one hundred point five ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man.
2: So you guys view this as an early, <laughs> the early season loss, not detrimental to the college football playoff hopes. Both of you are on that same page. This, this is not a huge deal.
3: Well, it's a huge deal in that respect, but I, I, I guess I wasn't on the same page with respect to thinking you got a great shot at the national playoffs and uh, yeah i never playoffs. thought that either i mean we had <laughs> a lot of work to do our schedule was tough enough and then you got uh, probably ohio state sitting on the other side and they've always been difficult and uh and i i think that uh, it was one of those situations where you don't get a chance to see much and with last year's uh, pandemic you really didn't have a, a gauge of what was going on either and so it was very hard and so uh I, uh, i have always. Uh, they usually think that it takes care of itself. You get past the Big Ten championship, and then you think about those things. But right now, uh, if it happens, it happens uh, soon enough uh, to give yourself a chance to uh, reclaim some of that turf, and, uh, sure. and that's the one benefit. If you're losing late in the season, you don't have a chance. But now, everything's in front of you, and you have to prove to people that you're the team that you thought they'd be.
1: Right. Can I go to break now, Alex? Go ahead, Jim. All right. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand.
0: Serving Wisconsin sports fans. The next Patrick Mahomes, Graham Mertz. You heard it here first. This is 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin on demand. You know the song? A money away. I'll be coming go, for your on. love,
2: okay?
0: Take Take
2: oh. on me.
1: All right, Oak Park Place. Be quiet now. Let's talk about Oak Park Place. Oak Park Place offers seniors and their loved ones. Peace of mind. When I'm a a senior, this is like what they're going to play in in a retirement home uh, or facility. Find the right balance of care you need centered around your lifestyle. Move to a community with neighbors that become like family. Enjoy the comforts of your apartment with an abundance of events just outside your door. Choose the fit that is right for you from independent living to assisted living, memory care, and short-term rehabilitation. Oak Park Place with locations on Madison's east side in the Nakoma neighborhood, Janesville, and Baraboo. Visit oakparkplace.com to learn more. This is the Pat Richter Show. I'm Jim Rutledge, uh, alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter, live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Time now for Sounds of the Week.
0: (laughs) These are the Sounds of the Week on the Pat Richter Show. Brought to you by Simden Chevrolet in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience.
2: Well, where the heck else would I start but Graham Mertz, as uh, he was certainly at the center of the Badgers' loss on Saturday. I should say the center of attention of the Badgers' loss on Saturday. Pat, here is Graham Mertz following Saturday's loss. Yeah, obviously not not proud of how it ended. Um, There are definitely a lot of things that fell on my plate that I need to clean up, and I will. Uh, I'm going to do everything and anything
0: I can to make sure I'm ready to go. And this team's ready to go. So there's a lot of stuff I need to clean up, but I'll be
2: ready. There's a lot of stuff I need to clean up, but I'll be ready, says Graham Mertz. Pat, he he handled it like a starting quarterback after what was a pretty disappointing uh, game out of him.
3: Yeah, I think he just had to be realistic about the whole thing. And uh, what's what's left of that is next week. And that's what he's indicated. He's got to do much better. Obviously, it's a different level of talent that you're going to play against, but uh, I think he understood that the expectations were such that uh, were very, very high for a lot of different reasons, and uh, you know none of which is that uh, you can do much about now, but you've got to move forward and play better. And, and I think that the, yeah. the team and everybody else is looking for that kind of uh, reaction from him, and that's what they got, so now they got to put it on the, on the line and uh, do a much better job next week.
1: Graham Murch threw five touchdowns in his first game as a starter. He has nine total touchdowns. Really? Yeah, I had to double check. That. That's why I asked you off the air, how many touchdowns did he throw? Wow. Uh, so Graham had an amazing debut, but he has a lot to prove. And hopefully this, uh, not that he's not trying or whatever, but sometimes, Pat, you've talked, you've mentioned before, sometimes you need to be humbled and and really straighten out, and maybe this is an opportunity for Graham to have that.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it just it's obviously puts a lot of pressure on him, and, and you start to do things differently, and that's what I mentioned about, the, I just know, thought that from my perspective, and certainly not a coach, it just seemed like he was aiming the ball and, and being direct, whereas in those five touchdowns against, uh, what Illinois was it, or someone, and yep. they just seemed to be you know kind of with abandon, just uh, loosey-goosey, and just uh, having a lot of fun, and <laughs> and picking his spots and, and throwing with authority and things like that. It just seemed like it was much different in that game. I'm not sure why, but uh, certainly I think he's going to – he just needs to at a time when he's difficult to say just let it all hang out. He's going to have to do that, and uh, and that's get back on the same page with everybody else and uh, winning football.
2: It's almost like you two were listening to ESPN Wisconsin College Game Day's postgame show – With me and former Badger Monte Ball, here's Monte Ball on Graham Mertz's performance.
1: One player can't lose the game for the team. They had plenty of opportunities to obviously put the ball in the end zone, but it does just seem like every mishap, the ball was going through Mertz's hands some way, somehow. And obviously being a quarterback, you have to just own up to that. It is your job to lead that offense into the end zone, period.
2: Period sends says Monte Ball is that fair criticism of Graham Mertz Pat?
3: Yeah, I think it was. I think uh, he, one thing he did leave out was anybody whose fault it was on the handoff. <laughs> being a running back, I would expect he <laughs> might do that. But uh, but I think that certainly that's what it is. You this good comes with the bad. I mean, it's just uh, you know uh, that's what's normally about a quarterback is you get the high high praise and high criticism. And I think in this respect. The buildup was such that uh, saying we want to see the old Graham back there, and 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 how are we going to be able to do that? And so we had high expectations for it. When it didn't happen, disappointment sets in, and then he realized that and understands that he's got he's got the focal point. I mean, whether it started with the nil and the fact that he was one of the first guys to trademark a name and whatever, it, all those things build up, and this, people start to understand. You know what what's expected and then it doesn't happen it's a big disappointment for everybody
1: yeah I think uh, that's a fair way to look at it big disappointment for everyone there but Monte's got a po- good point but it's gonna fall on the quarterback especially with the handoffs I mean like that's yeah, the red that, that, zone that's execution. the part where you just gotta hand it off you gotta, be able to, you gotta be able to do that
2: gotta be able to execute no doubt about it all right we'll move off the Badgers off our first soapbox as we're about uh, two-thirds into the show we're still we're still a little upset about that, aren't we? 4 days removed. Let's go over to something that starts in 4 days though. That is the Green Bay Packers season. Here is head coach Matt LaFleur earlier today said he's he's feeling great about the team, but that doesn't matter until you get on the field.
3: I try to take it one day at a time with the with the group, but I'll tell you the one thing that you love about this group is just the way they come to work each and every day, the energy, the attitude. I feel like they're they're putting in the work, but Again, it, it's a new season, so every year you gotta you get, you hit the reset button, and you, you gotta you gotta go out there and do it, and you gotta prove it.
2: Pat, I consistently am impressed by the energy that Matt Lafleur brings as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Twenty-six and six in the regular season, in his first two years, the young energy he brings really must be infectious, right?
3: Absolutely, it really helps a lot. I mean, it doesn't necessarily guarantee success and everything else, but certainly puts you in the right right mind frame. The coach has got your back, and the fact that uh, he can do everything he can to make sure that uh, you got all the tools to be successful, and that's what uh, that's what you want. And certainly, that what that does then is transfers the responsibility over to yourself. And uh, and I think that. Uh, you know, when Lombardi said something it was really kind of prophetic, he said professionalism. You know, when you've got something in front of you, you you read it, and you're supposed to go out and act accordingly, and if everybody is successful and on the same page, you'll be be successful. It wasn't necessarily football. What he was saying was uh, make sure you read your playbook, understand what your responsibility is, and if you take care of your job, then it falls on somebody else to take care of their job and so forth. And that's what brings success. And that's uh, it's very important. It's a, it's a team game. One person can't do it. Just, Mertz can't do it, but everybody pulling together, if they do it in concert, then you've got the opportunities to be successful, whether it's a run, pass, or on defense. Uh, you have the opportunity if everybody is doing this, what they're supposed to do.
2: Next. All right, it's our weekly check-in on who, Mark Murphy? He's a complicated fella. He's a complicated fella. Let's take a peek this week once again at the Aaron Rodgers saga. Rodgers appeared on SiriusXM on the Pac-McAfee show yesterday for the first of this season's Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays. Rodgers shed some light on this offseason, said he kept quiet because it didn't seem right to slam the team. Here's the full quote from Aaron Rodgers. I hit you up
1: a couple times, and I was like, "Maybe we should talk." Yeah, yeah. but it just didn't—it didn't seem right the entire time because my motivation was never to slam the organization or the fan base or anybody specifically. I, you know, I was just in contemplation and wanted to, you know, take time to think about where I was at and what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get into, you know, a match, or, you know, you and that other scrub from WWE, you know, oh, who always tried. I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah, wanna... yeah, please yeah.
0: don't. Thank you.
1: You know, I, I just wanted it to be, uh, to be cordial. I love the organization. I've, I've had a, a long, uh, long time being here,
3: and I didn't want to make it, uh, you know, make it play out in public.
2: Pat, I'm going to ask a very simple question. When is Aaron Rodgers going to let this go?
3: Well, i tell you what. <laughs> I think if, if he feels that way right today, I think that the guys on the other side of the equation uh, – don't feel that way for, for just letting it be good and didn't want to knock the organization just by sometimes by being quiet and not saying certain things and leading people on without, you know, there certainly was enough there to, to be believable. In other words, with the, the drafting and the making changes with some of the guys and the Cobbs and the Nelsons and people like that, and uh, there was enough, enough material there to make it uh, be a little bit uh, serious. I think that certainly, position he's in now, if in fact that's where he's at, is, is a good one. And uh, in that respect, he uh, settled down to make sure that he does what he's necessary to be successful. And, and I think the fact that uh, we don't know much about uh, Jordan Love indicates that uh, you know maybe there is that chance for, for beyond the uh, next year and uh, be a, a healthy contributor to the backer organization's uh, quest for the Super Bowl.
1: You know, Aaron Rodgers did say uh, in his press conference today that they do kind of know that for this group, this is kind of their last dance, that Mm -hmm. a Devontae. Um, As, you know, we just saw a tweet a second ago, Devontae Adams says there's no chance he'll get a new deal done before the season. But with Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander coming up to get paid, uh, Rashawn Gary could be another guy. Uh, Darnell Savage could be another guy. One more
2: year for those guys, but it could be as soon as this year, right? right?
1: So, but I mean, like you're going to have to account for that because if you do bring back Rodgers, if they did fix it, He's going to have a huge cap number. A couple of those guys, or at least one of those guys, is going to be a, a casualty there. Or you're going to lose an Amos or uh, you got Elton Jenkins as well. So, yeah. great draft thing, but you're going to end up losing other Kenny Clark. You could lose other key contributors. So, it's never a, a uh, game of shuffling there.
3: Got player's part because it all presupposes they have as good a years as they've had in the past, another year older. So, I mean, there's some risk on that side. So.
1: Yeah, sure. All right. That's been uh, Sounds of the Week. We'll come back. We'll talk a little uh, Milwaukee Brewers. I know Pat loves to talk uh, Brewers baseball right now. They are cruising. And, and Alex, you can share uh, your embarrassment with Pat. Oh, no.
2: Yeah, we'll do that on the other side, Pat. I've got some bad news for you. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app and Wisconsin On Demand.
0: On the air, on demand, on social, on Wisconsin sports. Serving Wisconsin sports fans. This is 100.5 ESPN.
1: Producer Alex Stroke has brought shame onto the house of Brewers and Fan Field there. I'm Jim Rutledge. He's Alex Stroke. We're with Pat Richter, former Wisconsin Athletic Director, live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. And Alex, I'll
2: let you share your fan for Pa. Ah, oh, Pat. I messed up, Pat. I messed up. Sunday, I went to the Brewer game. As you may or may not know, Sunday, Daniel Vogelbach hit a walk-off Grand Slam. Pat, I made the mistake of leaving the game after the eighth inning.
3: Oh, my God. Oh,
2: my God is right. So
3: You were stuck in the parking lot when you heard it? I heard it. I
2: heard Euchre's call, and the only pitch, I turned on 620 WTMJ, our sister station out in Milwaukee. I turned it on in the car, and the first pitch I heard Bob Euchre call was the Grand Slam by Daniel Vogelbach to right field. I threw a fit in the car. I've never felt dumber. Uh, we left after the 8th. Now, I think you can understand this, right? I left oh, a- under the after the 8th. They blew bases loaded, didn't get a single run out of it, and I was frustrated. I said, there's no way they're winning this game. Let's beat the traffic Let's go home. I get in the car, and the ball is gone. The Brewers win. I don't know. Seriously, Pat, I felt dumb a lot of times, as Jim can attest to. I have never felt as dumb as I did on Sunday.
3: Well, I almost uh, did the same thing. I, when I taped everything, or DVDed it, and I, it, went, it went long, and I thought I had lost it, but then I switched it back and caught it because uh, – just it was about in the nick of time before I had lost the whole thing, and so that was really special, and especially because of DeBogilbach. But I, yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you a pass on this one. That's that's
2: fine. Thank you, Pat. You know, I appreciate I think that.
3: Most people thought with, with the bases, uh, you kind of empty to start that inning and say, well, four runs is going to be hard to do. But then, you know, you just there's just so much confidence in there. I mean, I I think that you you can almost sense that and feel it yourself as saying. You know, we, were, we were never too far behind, but especially uh, having that happen with Vogelbach coming in, and, uh, I mean, that was, that was, I just think he's just been a terrific addition, and yeah. it was difficult circumstances for him, and uh, he came in last night and was kind of betwixt in between, and that shot to, to right field, he got tossed out at second base. You could see he was a little guilty about it, but just, it's just so much fun to watch. And they, they, I think anytime. time... I think we felt when they were 12 to nothing the game the other night that they weren't going to come back and pull it out. But uh, you know, I, you just never put it past them. But uh, we'll give you a pass this time. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, next time, hang in there even when they're four or five runs down.
2: Noted. How Vogelbach
1: is not from. Uh, wisconsin is beyond me he's from orlando which i I mean a lot of wisconsinites go down there so maybe this is kind of picked up by proxy in the water down there with uh uh, but he looks like a a beer league softball guy totally
3: well he's about as close to chris farley as you're going to come right i mean he just he looks like in that uniform he's just kind of a little bit uh, ill-fitting and he's he's kind of guilty about how much he fills it out and and then uh, just he's a he's a first guy on the steps when somebody does something good. He's a consummate kind of team guy, and the circumstances that really are tough. I mean, you're just really uh, glad for him because uh, Teles came in and has taken over with Escobar against uh, left-handed pitchers, and and so he's he's in a different role, as Council said. But uh, you watch Council in that celebration, and he was having as much fun as the players and pushing them around and. And him trying to get off and It's really unusual to have everybody waiting in the dugout after the uh, interviews to do, to keep bounding on him again. He raced him into the dugout and in, into the locker room. But, uh, you really feel good about it. But he's, he's an important guy on that team.
1: He he is, and it's been kind of the Brewers' lineup throughout the year. Different players stepping up. I mean, Travis Shaw was important. Now nice he's hitting home runs for Boston. That's I mean, it's true. It's uh, been kind of a strange year, but Yelich is kind of crawling up his batting average, crawling up what he's been doing uh, at the plate. I think over 260 now for the first time in a long time. So he's been on fire.
3: Yeah, you can see his swing is a lot different. It's much more crisp and more you know, and more intentional. He had some before kind of excuse me type stuff. If you get in that. The left handed pitcher was getting that low outside pitch. He was just kind of fanning at it. And uh, now he just seems like he's in it and he goes with the ball. And especially if it's in the outside corner, he's going to pop it down to uh, third base and then to the left field. And uh, he's just uh, he's starting to have some fun as well. And, uh, you know, you could see him a little bit mad about the call last night. And the uh, pitch was about a uh, four or five inches outside. That still bothers the heck out of him. And it's everybody. I mean, it's just. Uh, not one thing or another, but now that's good because his perfection is starting to sit in. He wants to have a chance to hit every ball.
1: He does, and it's good that uh, for the Brewers that he's kind of bouncing back there. And obviously, this team is it's in a weird spot, Pat. There's not a lot of scoreboard watching to do, not a lot. It's just kind of waiting out until the playoffs start.
3: Yeah, it really is now, but now it's just a chance for the other players that are have a chance to come along and do well as well as, as just as well as the other guys. You know, Lauer's done a terrific job, and even when he's up at bat, he'd like to think he's going to have a chance to hit the ball. And Maley, uh, who's uh, somebody kind of just a throw in with respect to the, taking up uh, behind uh, Pena's Pina, injury, and uh, he, we found out we can even throw the ball and pitch it. So, in, in, in a 12 to nothing loss. But uh, he was hitting the ball hard last night, and uh, it's amazing how some of these guys are really going up the middle. I mean, these pitchers are going to have to start out looking out a little bit because these balls are tapping that ball right through the middle, and you better be ready for it because they're going to be uh, making you dance out there in the mound.
2: Magic number is 12 games to clinch the division.
3: That's uh, incredible. I think that uh, this has been one of the, probably the most fun season of watching Brewers ba- baseball, and uh, and you can't really do anything better than listen to Bucher's call on Vogelbog's, uh <laughs> Grand Slammer, because that really sends chills up your back.
2: Oh, it totally does.
1: Pat, as always, we appreciate the time. We're right in the heart of it. Brewers playoffs, and is that, that's not me. That's uh, Alex. That there. was me. Sorry. Brewers playoff. We'll pretend that was like on purpose. Uh, and then we have uh, Packers and Badgers. So, Pat, we'll talk to you next week.
3: Good Good night, guys. It's
1: been the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN Up, and Wisconsin The Man.